Bucks, and away we go. Great to be with you on a Friday. Appreciate you joining us. As always, we get set for the Bucks, who lead the division comfortably to take on the Saints, who aren't any good, and that's a beautiful thing. What are they, six and seven now? Is that where the Saints are? Yeah. I should probably check these things. It's everybody so far back these days, Tom, from the Bucks, that I really don't concern myself with these divisional opponents. I'll get to it in a moment. Uh, maybe you have your eye on a new Ford truck this holiday season. If you want out of your lease, whatever it might be, hey, here's the deal. It's our friends at Bill Curry Ford who sponsored the show. Reach out directly to Bill Curry Ford GM Sean Sullivan. He'll help you personally. You can find his email at BillCurryFord.com or go to Bill Curry Ford. One mile north of the stadium on Dale Mabry Highway in Tampa. Huge Bucks fans, we tell you every week. A lot of, a lot of players go in there. Coaches go in there. Vita Vea goes in there. Ali Marpet goes in there. Bill Curry Ford has a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. Always remember Sean Sullivan of the GM will assist you personally. Ask for the Joe Bucks fan discount. Check out the inventory, BillCurryFord.com. Did I have it right? Saints are 6-7? and seven? Yeah, they are. I had it right. There you go. Uh, Tom, I don't even know how to do these previews anymore <laughs> for these divisional games like the Falcons or the Saints or the Panthers. I just really don't concern myself with the game, and that's just so dismissive. What a cool place to be. Yeah, I, I would say this game is interesting, at least in uh, you know the realm of the spread. It's uh, more than ten, and the Saints yeah, it's eleven. Yeah, the Saints play us close. The Saints have you know their eye on a wild card spot, so you're going to get a team that's really motivated to play. And Sean Payton is always petty when he plays the Bucks, so those are a couple things to keep your eyes on. Uh, for me, I said this on Monday's version of the Scuttle Bucks. I'm just so happy that you found a way to win while you were exposed by the quarterback run game, be it the quarterback powers that Josh Allen ran and Buffalo dialed up or the, the not-designed broken plays where he was able to break container, make a guy miss. So I'm glad that those things were on film this week because you've got to get better at that. Three of the next four weeks, you're playing Taysom Hill and Cam Newton. And here's the deal. While I understand that those guys aren't great dropback passers, New Orleans defense is good. It's stingy. And if they keep the ball on the ground with the quarterback, that means fewer possessions for the offense. So if Tom Brady misses a throw or two, now you're in the third quarter and it's a three-point game and you're going, are you kidding me? What is right. this with us and the Saints? So that's what makes this game interesting to me on Sunday. Also, of course, just in studying the injury report for the week, here we go again. Secondary's hurt. Jamel Dean with an illness. At least Jordan Whitehead has been limited in practice from no practice to being limited with his calf injury. Antoine Winfield hasn't practiced this week. So it's just the panoply of injuries in the secondary continue. Richard Sherman had an interception last week, but his Achilles issue has, has reared its head again, and he hasn't practiced this week. So I don't think the Saints are going to burn us in the passing game, but I'm looking for tacklers in the secondary because we missed 33, Jordan Whitehead, terribly this past weekend. You're still without Mike Edwards. The quarterback run game might need some tackles in the secondary in order to shorten some of these drives. It's not always going to be on the linebackers and the front four. That, to me, is how you preview this game, which is if you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be close to covering, if not covering by a, a good margin. Sunday night football, you can flex on them take the division crown, and then go into your final three games. But I wouldn't be surprised, given that this is the Saints and this is the way we play the Saints, that this game is close in the second half. We'll see. I think it will probably be close in the second half. You're right to bring up the spread. I took the Saints plus 11 when it came out, um, just because nothing ever seems to go easy with the Saints. It's funny. I did talk about how I'm dismissive of the uh, divisional opponents. I, I largely am. 
um, in the sense that in better matchups, I want to break down the matchup. I want to talk about where we win, where they win, and everything in between. Um, but but the truth is, the Saints have always played us very well, and Peyton's a very good coach. And I don't, I, I, I the Bucks should win the game, uh, and 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 that's why when you just look at personnel, the Bucks are better. But we do struggle with this team, and I, I could see this being a fairly close game into the second half for the reasons that you just brought up. The injuries in the secondary, it just never ends. It is, it's exhausting. Um, I instead look at us in these matchups, uh, knowing that this could be close, and and try to learn more about what we have to do moving forward in the postseason. Like, what are we going to be by the time we get there? And every week I get worried because we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season, and we're still dealing with the same damn things. It's like, yeah. it, you know, you'd like to believe as you emerge towards the end of a season, and if you rested guys, if you gave them an extra day, if if just the odds you know, kicked in at some point, you'd find a way to get guys healthy in that secondary, but it doesn't appear that, it's going to happen. It's like they're, this is the secondary of the Bucks in perpetuity. Yeah, well, you know what's going to happen is they'll be all healthy and then COVID's going to rear its head. Now, knock on wood, the Bucks have not been hit like so many other franchises have been, but we're recording this podcast at uh, just short of noon on a Friday. Who knows what it's going to be by you know 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Just look at the situations going on in Cleveland and the Washington football team for a couple of recent examples. That's something that we'll have to be on pins and needles for the whole way. Thankfully, there's not much on the line week to week for the Bucks, except for except for that number one seed. And that's where you can uh, – this is the point of the year where if you're a powerful football team and you're a football team who's a favorite, you will scoreboard watch. This Sunday, it lends itself to scoreboard watching because we don't play till 8 o'clock. That 425 kickoff between the Packers and the Ravens. The Ravens are so banged up, but – a healthy Lamar Jackson who decides to do Superman things is still possible. I would put the, the Packers maybe as big of a favorite as the Bucs uh, in the two respective games, even though Baltimore is a better football team in theory. I don't know. But I'm going to be watching that game with Baltimore and, and Green Bay because that's one of the last big chances Green Bay has to stumble and allow the Bucks to catch them and or pass them in the standings. So scoreboard watching this weekend and then also injury watching. That's what I'll be, I'll be doing between now and Sunday. Let's see if the Ravens can pull off an unlikely victory. Yeah, I can. one can hope. You sit around and hope. We got a little help, obviously, from the Rams beating the Cardinals. Yep. And I just sit around now, and, and you're right. All you can do is win games and hope like hell something falls in your favor. Uh, it would be hard to argue going into a season if I said 14-3 and three should wrap things up for you as a one seed. Most people wouldn't have argued that, I don't think, but it may not. It may, yeah. may very well be that the Bucks are the two and they'll host a bunch of games, but they're going to have to take it on the road down the line at some point. Um, not that this team can't you know, win on the road. Last year, all their games were on the road except for the Super Bowl, but then again, there were no fans in the stands there, so you do, you do wonder about that. But uh, And this team hasn't played real well on the uh, road this year, yep. so that's kind of the – Kind of the concern. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. The only other real piece of news this week for the Bucks, at least in terms of, um, you know, potentially externally something, you know, affecting the Bucks, is Byron Leftwich's name being thrown around possibly as uh, the next head coach in Jacksonville. Uh, good for him. And, and, you know, I hope he gets the interview. Uh, I'm indifferent about Byron Leftwich coming or going, to be honest with you, as, as it pertains to the Bucs. Uh, I haven't had a particular feeling about Byron Leftwich um, in his time here because, uh, you know, early on you looked at his relationship with Jameis, but then from there, I mean, this is Tom Brady. 
yeah. Tom Brady is going to do what Tom Brady's going to do. I mean, it's it's not like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to discredit Byron, but I am saying that you know, what's an offensive coordinator telling Tom Brady? Yeah, I think what he's done more than I would have given him credit for last year is he's acted like a a great liaison and game day manager between Bruce and Brady. Like he he has been that guy. You don't see Bruce go over and talk X's and O's with Brady during a game or adjustments with Brady during the game. It's all Byron. So there is value there, and, and if I'm a Jags fan, that's what would be appealing to me about Byron Leftwich and bringing him on board. The good thing is this isn't like college, in which you feel like you're getting robbed of a coach right. while you're still got goals in front of you. Like the co- He could be named the coach, and then his press conference doesn't occur until after we win the Super Bowl again, and that's no big deal. That's no big deal at all. In college, it affects games. It affects lines. You're saying these coaches are distracted, so here's what's going to happen a team that's a 10 to 20 point underdog is actually going to win the game outright because that coach is thinking about the next job. He's thinking about his next location. He's got to recruit right away. Not so in the NFL. So, you know, if that happens for Byron, congratulations to him. It's another function of the success of our organization. Um, but it's not going to affect the Bucks day to day from here until we play our last game, win or lose. That's the good thing about the NFL versus what we cover day to day in college. You got a sense of, you know, this week ESPN, and you can take it or leave it. It's up to you guys. You can look at projections and efficiencies and their FPI and all that stuff. I don't know if you saw it this week. Um, I start to take a peek at a couple of things there in terms of uh, the differentials. And, the, and it's not just points, but you look at strength of schedule and your remaining strength of schedule and, and all that good stuff. The Bucks have the easiest schedule left in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just something to, to note that. There's, nobody has an easier schedule than Tampa Bay the rest of the way. Uh, but the Bucks rated out as the uh, the best team in football when you coupled and, and added all of those metrics. Um, do you buy that? you think the Bucs are the best team in football, or do you think it's Green Bay? I think they're potentially the best team in football. Um, I think their best is better than anybody else's best. But here's the hard part. If we need to get off the field, this year I doubt this team more than I doubted last year's team. and it's because, uh, Correct. Um, correct. The JPP issue is is real enough. Tryon's a good player, and he can help you in third and obvious. But if it's third and medium and they try to isolate that edge rusher, I don't trust him in those situations. I trust JPP to sniff out a play that's being gamed right at him. He's too smart for that. Tryon, inexperienced. He's a rookie. But I think the Bucks' best is lethal. I mean, listen, you know, unless Bruce Arians has extra discipline ready for Antonio Brown, when Antonio comes back to this offense, it becomes even more nightmarish. And what I've been really happy about in seeing this offense this year is I, I think in, in the playoff run to come, if, if the Bucks are going to do it again and go back-to-back, the offense is going to have to lead the way in a way that it did not last year. Consider that Brady played a good game against Washington and a good first half against Green Bay. Great the, first half, yeah. The rest of the time was meh. It was all right, but the defense consistently got the other offense off the field and put our offense back with another possession. I don't know that you can count on that this time, but the thing I love about what we've done so far this season is you've now seen Mike Evans and Tom Brady go to a different level. That's happened in the last month. That's really good. You've seen the offense survive without Gronk, and you've seen Gronk come back and look as good as he has in the two years he's played in Tampa. You've seen Leonard Fournette continue to develop within this offense to become an even more... Uh, dual threat running back than he was even in last year's playoff run. I mean, we counted on him heavily last year in the playoff run. I believe in Leonard Fournette more now than I did even then when he was a monster for us. So I love what I see on offense potentially for us. My concern, especially if the secondary never gets healthy, is well, there, there I, you go. I'm not going to feel comfortable on third and 12 in Lambeau. You know, so what we got into third and 12? 
Ball is snapped. How do you feel? I don't feel great about that play. All year long, and it doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. It's anybody. Yep. I mean, we, we'll give it up to anybody um, on third down and long. It's a crazy it's, – it's frustrating. It is the weakest aspect of this team. Uh, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that the Bucs will have to win the Super Bowl by being an offensive juggernaut, which potentially they absolutely can be. I mean, again, at full strength, with Brady playing anywhere near average or above, this offense is virtually unstoppable. You have balance. You have the ability to run the ball. You have a multitude of weapons at receiver. Obviously, you have the greatest tight end to ever play. Um, you you have opportunities to just light up a scoreboard against the best teams in football. It can absolutely happen. Uh, so I agree with you. I think if we get to this point of the season where you're hoping to just stuff some wins in your back pocket, get to 14 and three and get healthy, you're just thinking to yourself, what has to happen? What do we have to do? Well, start with you got to get healthy. Healthy, that's out of our control right now. You, you don't know. Um, you know, there are things you can work on uh, schematically when you have areas of weakness, uh, but there aren't things you can do about injuries other than rest guys and hope like hell they're ready to play. And that's really frustrating. So uh, anything that you would be wanting to implement right now, Tom, to, to make some adjustments with your third down defense, uh, to become more creative with what you do on third down and getting to the quarterback, a lot of that stuff is hindered because of injury. So you, you, you yeah. can't even rep it. Well, I think, and this is going to sound like I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'll explain why. I think on third and long, you just need to let your front four go eat. You just uh, stop with the extra pressures. Why do you need to commit extra bodies? Now, the reason I say that is, in theory, if you do get 80% of your secondary back, 90% mm -hmm. of your secondary back and healthy, I'm going to trust them to cover and make the right decisions on a first move. And I'm going to let the guys that we paid an F ton of money for on the defensive front do their jobs. You don't. Why bring five and six on third and 12? It just drives me freaking batty. Like, I get it that Todd Bowles lives and dies by the Blitz, but at that point, why would you spend so much money on edge rushers if you're going to bring extra people anyway? Because the thought there is you're just accounting for bodies in the off on the offensive line in order to free up a lane for one of your rushers. Let those guys go earn their money. Now, again, if it's third and medium, I don't know. You, you might be in a bad way. And Devin White needs to continue to get better and be a player like he was last year in the playoffs, which is all over the damn football field. I think we've got a weakness at linebacker in terms of coverage in those situations too. But again, you know, I think those changes might be coming. What gets really interesting about the next three to four weeks is who gets healthy, and then you've got a few storylines to compare against last year. The offense's best portion of last season, playoffs and regular season combined, was December. It was December. Oh, not. It was December through the first week of the playoffs. Then it was okay to pretty good, but it wasn't on that elite level. Well, let's see what we do these next four weeks. Do you sharpen the tools? Are you ready to go offensively? And then do you get healthy on defense? That Those are the trends that you got to watch for the next few weeks because there are a couple of road games mixed in, and it didn't matter who we play this year. That Washington performance was asinine about six weeks ago. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a weird team, but a highly successful team. You go back and you look at, the year to this point now, like how did we get here? And you know, you think about the the win to start the season. It looks better and better all the time. If the Cowboys are healthy, they're really good. We know that. So that win over Dallas to start the year was great. 
And then you go back and, you know, in retrospect, the win over the Patriots on the road, Tom, is a really good win. Yes. It's a great win. And, and it gets better every day. I mean, they, that might be the representative of the AFC, maybe. Um, yeah. So that win looks really, really good. Your loss to the Rams, we said it, we first guessed it. We said it at the time. On the road by 10, no biggie. They, the Rams had to win that game. They were trying to send a message. You didn't play that bad. I'll take it. But I'll tell you something else that now looks good. The 45 to 17 win over the Dolphins looks good. Mm -hmm. All the Dolphins do these days is win football games, like five in a row. Yeah. They're an outside contender to make the playoffs. That was a, uh, an example of finishing, something we talked about, I don't know, maybe a month ago on the Scuttlebucks, where I was pissed off mm -hmm. that we didn't finish. And here was another example this last week. You go 24-3, and you allow the scoreboard to get flipped 24-3, so we pushed to overtime. That ain't good. That's not going to cut it. But we did finish that game against Miami because it was within touch at halftime. Bucks come yeah. out of the halftime break, and they put that stuff on, on overdrive, and they put the Dolphins down. That's another thing that I want to see over the next month is, yeah, all right, it's beautiful that you can uh, you know, assemble and amass points and a big lead, but let's not do what we did on the road against Philly. Let's not right. do what we did on the road against New England in terms of not executing in the red zone. Let's not do what happened against the Buffalo Bills. I get Buffalo's a desperate squad, but we're allowed to score points. Josh Allen's going to score. He's going to. I get that. I get that. But we're allowed to score more than three. So let's, yeah. you know, go ahead and finish. And, and the Saints are the best defensive challenge that we're going to see between now and the end of the season. It's on Sunday night. I don't know how much you're going to learn from the Panthers, the Jets, and the Panthers the subsequent three weeks, but you can learn something and go against a, a defense that should be motivated because the Saints know the only way to get into the wild card round and play in these playoffs is through getting stops on defense. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I'm intrigued. Defensively, I think that we'll be fine in this game. The Saints are really lacking weapons. If we come up and tackle, you got to be willing to tackle. Obviously, you've got one superstar weapon, and that's about it. Um, so so we'll, hopefully we'll be all right there. I, I'm going to watch. I, I know I tend to harp on this too much. Uh, you talk about finishing offensively. I agree. I mean, that's the defense got tired last week because you couldn't finish offensively uh, some drives. You, you score one touchdown early in that second half, and this game turns into a romp. I don't think the Bills are are there to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and believe if you go down and make it even 31-10. You get three, like that. three or four first downs. You know, it, it's yeah. almost it's almost yeah, yeah. like the 28-3 Super Bowl. You know, you just get a few first downs, and, and you've neutralized this thing. Uh, they rested Brady this week in practice, um, and and I think that's interesting. I, I I was just about to say I know I harp on it too much, unfortunately, and it, it is nitpicky. Um, but but you know I have high expectations for the greatest quarterback in the history of football. Um, when 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 he criticized himself after the game, I appreciated that, and I, I, Arians always does it. But but Brady's saying, oh man, I'm not mad at the defense. I missed too many open throws. Well, he's right. He did. And he's had little stretches like that this year. He's also been brilliant and really, really good most of the time. So I want to make sure I, I factor that in and, and say that. Uh, people think I, I'm down on Brady. I'm not down on Brady. I just, when it's third down and six, you got a wide open receiver in the middle of the field and you spike it. Well, I mean, yeah. my man, uh, well, that can't happen when we get to the playoffs. So uh, I understand people make mistakes if it's every now and again. He's just had these little spells and I can't figure out what that is. I don't know if that's age or if it was the earlier season injury um to his hand i i don't know but it's interesting that they rested him this week um, if only because i mean his age and then also kind of marrying the theory that maybe he's not completely healthy well there's a couple of things to chew on there number one i found it interesting that the strategy against buffalo's defense which had been giving up gobs of yards on the ground and they did early with leonard fournette 
But how yeah. many times we threw the football? I mean, we're throwing the football left and right. now. Well, they put it in Tom's hand because he's got weapons galore. Now, the air yards per attempt are down this year. We've discussed that before. But I think it is worth monitoring just because he is old, old as hell. Now, uh, he's playing like he's 28, but he's old. That Tom Brady, through 13 games, has thrown just under 60 passes more than the next closest quarterback in the league. 60 Crazy. passes. Well, and the reason that that's important to me is pitch count on the arm. You know, listen, mm -hmm. you know, the recovery time, take your days off during the week, but you just wonder how many bullets are left in that arm and you don't <laughs> want them to have fatigue late, late in the year. I mean, typically if you see a quarterback leading the league in attempts, what does that tell you? They're trailing a lot. They're tr or, yeah. their, or their defense is garbage, and they need yeah. to win 41. Neither is true in Tampa. Neither right. is true in Tampa. Well, it's it's the trust in the amount of weapons, too. I, I think we're more efficient as a passing team. I think if you've got a great passer and you've got weapons, it's actually been shown with the advanced metrics, it's more efficient to throw the ball than it is to run the ball. So anymore, with the rules being what they are and having the greatest to ever do it and understand what he's looking at pre-snap, they just trust him to make those throws. You're right. We'll see if it wears on him. I will say this. One stat that buoys you to think that it's not going to wear on him, he still has one of the fastest uh, uh, releases and, and, and balls coming off the yeah. football coming off the hand uh, of anybody in the league. Yeah, so, you know, there, there's a few things that play there offensively. This offensive line is really good at pass pro. Brady's gotten to his fourth read or his fifth read a lot yeah. this season. yeah. But then also, if they get beat on a certain play and he's got a quick read, you will never know about it. It's not going to show up as a sack in the scorebook because he is so good at getting the ball off and getting the ball off on time. But I, I do find it interesting, and maybe I'm arriving at some sort of discovery here because that's what it is, the Scuttlebucks. We're just trying to discover truths. <laughs> but remember that last year, the defining moments, many defining moments for this offense in, in the playoff run were on the ground. They were on the ground, especially in that Super Bowl game. That, was, that wasn't yeah. about Brady Aaron and it chucking it down and throwing for 400 yards. That was about Lenny playing like a man. It was about Rojo finishing a couple of first downs that we needed to move the chains and shorten the game. This offense has a different identity this year, like period. Even though Antonio Brown's only played four or five games and we believe that he's somebody that will take the passing game to a different level, you combine that with the Gronk injury and the injuries on and off for Mike Evans and, and Godwin and Scotty Miller, to be sure, the ineffectiveness of O.J. Howard, and yet still, we throw the ball in a way that we didn't last year. I thought when we were looking for defining moments, we needed the ground game to help set up those defining moments. That's not this year's team. We're chucking it around a lot. And we say that while knowing that Leonard Fournette has been the biggest piece to the puzzle. I mean, yes. he has been um, not just a good player coming off of a great run in the postseason, but really the catalyst for a lot of what we do. But he's also, I don't know how many passes he's caught in the last two, three weeks, but good God, it's a lot. I mean, I know, I know we, at one point we were talking about the well over 1000 all purpose yards. He had 76 receptions. I think it was. So just add on to whatever that, I mean, it was something like that, wasn't it? It was insane. Yeah. So it was a big number. Uh, you're talking about his last 16 games. Is that what you're talking about? The full, like he, had well, yeah, the, the, the number, the last 16 games, it was like 76 receptions in there, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was 1500 all purpose yards in that period of time right, as well. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So then add on last week. Yeah. To that. Since, yeah, okay. Since the road loss at Washington, here mm -hmm. are the targets <laughs> that they've had. Uh, it's nine, six, eight, eight, seven and catches in that time, eight, six, seven, seven, four. So what you're seeing there. 
a ton of check down targets for Lenny. He's usually wide the hell open because we're, we're stretching the field with our oh, weapons. Right, right, right. But also, it's a high target count with a high reception rate because, again, it's a function of Lenny being open. So you, you want those check downs to be hit at a, at a high completion percentage because then you let that guy go and run. But a lot of times you'll see a high target count for a running back, and it's a throwaway. That's just the nearest receiver that they attribute it to. That's not the case with Fournette. No, no. he can, and, and the other thing, real quick, as we're commending him, he also catches the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he really catches the ball. It's the, it's the reason that Rojo's not on the field. Yeah. Because oh. he can't be dependable in that er- arena. Yeah, principally so. Because Rojo, I- I'll still go to my grave saying he's got much better vision than than uh, Leonard Fournette does. But Leonard does more things better than Rojo does. Yeah. That's where we are right yeah. now. Yeah. And Brady does not give a damn about trajectory when he throws it to Fournette. He's trying well, to break him. He's trying to put a hole in his chest. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's great. Hey, listen, fun edition of the Scuttlebucks. You guys uh, enjoy the game. Be well, everybody. Our thanks to Bill Curry Ford. Our thanks to JoeBucksFan.com. And our thanks to you guys. And uh, we will be with you, I think, next week, too, Tom. We, we'll, we'll have another show, right? Yeah, we will. Oh, yeah. Know it's the holiday season. Yeah, we will. We'll be here. So uh, I don't have to say Merry Christmas just yet. But uh, be well, everybody. Enjoy the football. We'll talk again next time.